Hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, it's the football podcast. We're all here, we're all talking about last week's games, we're all predicting next week's games, and all the football in between. Before we get started, please do consider like, share, subscribe, and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. And the big one being share the podcast around. It's the biggest thing you can do for any podcast. Right. Let's get started. Here we go. This is Cookie Cast, football podcast. Well, after some technical difficulties. We are officially underway. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, for another weekly dose of your football-based nonsense provided to you from us here at the CookieCast Podcast Network. Obviously, I'm not alone. I'm joined, as always, by our whole Nottingham Forest, and for this week, Fulham-based entrepreneurs. Yeah, I'll go with that word today. It was the first one that popped into my head. Um... How are we doing this weekend? This weekend, are we doing this week, gents? Oh, I, I feel like we should club together and buy, like buy you a random word generator that you can then use. Because where the hell did entrepreneurs come from at that point? You know, it fell from my mouth hole. What can I say? <laughs> it's, it's word of the day toilet paper that he writes yeah, a paragraph well, from. That's that's <laughs> what my have bought. Um. So yes. Yes, we bring you in on week 24's predictions. Um, we started the week on a Friday night under the lights in Hull. And this one was televised as well. Um, but we don't need to be told uh, to uh, what it was by, uh, by the television people because there was a person who was there in person to watch this particular one. So take it away, Mr. Womersey. How did this one pan out for your boys? I think we need to start... By saying that Norwich are a dirty, dirty football team. Uh, Connolly was taken out of the game after 14 minutes by the Norwich keeper gun. Um, he'd already been clattered um, by the centre-back even earlier than this. Uh, but yeah, it, it's... I'm... So obviously, I, I took my boys, and they're only only young, and they they're getting uh into the they love they love going to the football. This was their first real in life, like in real life experience of having a referee that was so goddamn incompetent that it just ruined the entire night. Um. So yeah, Aaron Connolly ball gets played up the middle. He is uh, not in the eighteen yard box. Is look with his back to goal, looking at the ball arriving to uh, not not receive the ball, but no, a blow to the back of the head from the Norwich goalkeeper. To which, not only was that quite sudden, the force then basically made him plant his head into the ground as well. But due to the uh, rules that that referee was playing on that Friday night, uh, apparently that's a free kick to the goalkeeper. So, uh, yes. Ridiculous. So you know when the game pretty much starts with stuff like this that it's it's never going to go particularly well. Um, 
for references for our listeners who may not have seen it, I think, is it the 80s with the German keeper, Schumacher, when he absolutely takes out, is it an England player? I can't remember what it was. No, it was a guy from France, France called Patrick Battiston or Patrick Oh, that's Battiston. the one, yeah. Which is then hilariously, was hilariously recreated by uh, Badil and Skinner in fantasy football, where they got the wrong the wrong Schumacher and dressed up like Michael Schumacher and fake ran him over with a with a Ferrari kind of. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's that's I saw it this evening. And I was like, that's shocking. So apparently the rule is, if the goalkeeper ploughs into you in the middle of the pitch, it's a foul. You've made the foul. You've 100% made the foul at all times. So in the previous two or three uh, examples, that is the rule. So yeah, nothing to complain about on that one. You know, like when it's it's so bad that the entire stadium, but bearing in mind as well, yeah, it was televised, but they did a ticket deal so that the stadium was full. And the entire stadium went and then was completely silent until they saw him moving again because it was bad. Um, But then the referee seemed to sort of grow some kind of conscience and uh, booked three Norwich players within the first half an hour because the fouling did not stop with that. Uh, Louis Coyle also took a a full-on elbow to the face from Giannolis, or Giannolis, however you pronounce his name, um, so Louis Coyle wore a mask for a good part of this season, not because he's from Hull, uh, but because he had a broken eye socket. Um, the guy who elbowed him uh, during the Norwich game was also wearing a mask. There were even in in like real time from halfway down the pitch, we could still see that the guy took a second to check exactly where the man was before throwing his elbow at his face. Um, to me, the, the, that was two instances where... I mean, the, the first one with the goalkeeper, you can maybe argue that he got his head on the ball, but he, he definitely took the man. So maybe that was, at best, a yellow, but there could have been two sendings off in that first half for me, and the ref absolutely shat the bed. Um, still, as a result... Um, it, the game did finish 2-1 to Norwich there was a goal from uh, Jonathan Rowe 36 minutes ball got played up the centre of the park six Hull players around it seemingly thought it was some kind of bomb and just fucked off um, and then uh, Rowe, nice finish with the outside of his foot, curled the ball just out of the reach of Allsop um, Hull went for it second half got caught on the brick right at the end of the game, in the 88th minute. So Norwich 2-0 at that point. And then again, still going for it. They didn't actually give it up, which was nice to see. And probably not even in a from a biased manner, but goal of the game from Tyler Morton in added time. Um, lovely little finish from outside of the box. And yeah, unfortunately, 2-1 to the referee. I mean, sorry, 2-1 to Norwich. A little insight there into the chant that obviously was going around the uh, the MKM stadium oh, at the no. end of the game. No, no, having having taken two small children to the game, imagine trying to explain to them the chant that was going around when it was "Who is the wanker in the blue?" Yes, um, 
an overheard um, chant apparently was when um, a, a, a man took his, his son to, the, to his first game and said that on, on the way home, he could just hear his, uh, his son in the background just chant along to the referee's a vicar as he had uh, misheard certain chants that were, 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 were done at the game. Uh, uh, Predictions-wise, none of us had a Norwich win. Um, Stuart had gone for a 1-1 draw. The rest of us had all gone for um, for Hull City wins. Sadly, neither none of us had Morton, Rowe or Fasnacht as goal scorers. Um, therefore, we end game one with no points across the board. Oh dear. We move to the Saturday slate of games. The first of this was the 12.45 early fixture, which took place in Fulham, but was played at Chelsea. For those of you with your West London uh, knowledge of how that works, you'll understand that one. Um, this was a Stamford Bridge special, but it was the, um, the Fulham derby, as it were, Chelsea versus Fulham. Fulham being, of course, Mr Cook's brand new team after they had beaten his former side, Rotherham, in the third round of the FA Cup the week previous. And um, unfortunately for Mr Cook, that tattoo sleeve is getting longer and longer by the day, by the week, as he uh, now finds himself fully supporting the blue half of... Um, of, of that particular area of West London, as Chelsea ran out 1-0 winners. Um, the winning goal coming from a uh, case, um, not Casey, Cole Palmer penalty. Uh, a 1-0 win for Chelsea. That will play into um, the next game that Chelsea play, which we will get to in the second half of the podcast. Um, only one of us had gone for a Chelsea win, which was Matt. Um, sadly, he didn't pick Palmer in his goal scorer, so he just gets the one point for the results. I'd gone for a 1-1 draw. Stu had gone for a 1-1 draw. Stu, however, picked Palmer as his goal scorer for Fulham. So he gets a, a good goal scorer for Chelsea. Sorry, so he does get a bonus point there. Um, Mr Cook had tried to throw some support behind his new boys. It did not pay off for him. Uh, a 1-0 win for Fulham was not incoming. So he gets no points and changes allegiances to the blue half of Fulham from next week. Our third game, played in the three o'clock slot on Saturday, saw my boys, Middlesbrough, travel to Millwall. And I said this was played at the three o'clock slot. It was technically played at the 3.15 slot, as uh, Middlesbrough was stuck in traffic, trying to get to the ground. So the uh, the kickoff was delayed by 15 minutes. And it would seem that the... Um, the, the delay in getting to the ground obviously played into the Borough, into the Borough players' mindset as uh, they went 1-0 down. Um, a Joe Bryan goal. Um, the ball was played in from the right-hand side um, and just drifted across the box to the edge on the left where uh, Bryan was coming in from the left-back spot and just managed to right-foot curl it just past um, his own player and out of the reach of the, the Middlesbrough goalkeeper, Tom Glover, to smash it into the um, top corner of the net to make it 1-0. Um, this is one of those uh, situations where it seemed to spur the Borough on as uh, they made it 1-1 not too, not too long after. When Isaiah Jones um, played a lovely ball in for, um, 
Sam Greenwood down the right-hand side of the box. Uh, he just cut the cross, cut the ball across the face of the goal, where Lucas Engel found himself unmarked about two yards out to tap in for his first goal for the side and the equaliser. Borough took the lead early in the second half when new signing Finn Azaz clipped the ball um, just on the half turn in from behind. He was found himself in around the certain circle. Clipped a little ball over the top um, in behind the defender who miscontrolled his header um, and put it perfectly into the path of Isaiah Jones who collected the ball and then just uh, side-footed it past the goalkeeper to make it 2-1. And the game was wrapped up Later on in the in the second half, when um, on as a substitute after several months out injured, Marcus Hawes found himself in behind after Luke Ayling, a fellow new signing, Luke Ayling, clipped the ball over the top. Morgan Rogers ran onto it and laid the ball um, sideways onto into the path of Marcus Force, who um, finished low across the goalkeeper for a three-one comprehensive away win. For the borough, um, I hadn't gone optimistic on this one. Neither had Stu, as we both had no wall wins. I get the um, somewhat of the, uh, the the solace of having picked Jones to score for the borough. So I do manage to bag my first point of the week with a bonus goal scorer pick. Matt, Matt and Andy, however, had both gone for a two-one borough win, so I get themselves a point there for the result. Matt also picks up a bonus point for having picked Jones in his goal scorers. So Matt gets two points for that. Andy, as well as myself, off the mark with his first point of the week. Um, the last two games of the week were the FA Cup third round replays involving Hull and Nottingham Forest. Hull took on Birmingham City. Now, from what I understand, this wasn't this wasn't available on live television, so I'm assuming you just have to catch up with the highlights for this one. Yep, and uh, it was well. It was live streamed through the club website. If you if you paid the uh, princely sum that was set, uh, however, less than five minutes into the game, and they'd already put on their Facebook feed, we're having real difficulty with the audio. So you can still watch it in silence. So anybody that actually stuck that out, I mean, you deserve a refund, surely. Um, particularly after the end of the evening. Uh, so, yeah, we, we have this thing on the podcast about if your team is doing shit and they haven't scored a goal for a very long time, come and play one of our teams. Well, this was Tony Mowbray's first win as uh, manager of Birmingham. Uh, Hull rang in the changes. There was a completely changed eleven from the side that played uh, Norwich. However, there were also seven changes for Birmingham. So, But that many changes is never going to lead to a great game to me. Um, just no rhythm. But after me saying how bad he'd been in the FA Cup game previously, um, Jason Lakilo managed to get on the score sheet on 12 minutes. Billy Sharp played a nice ball out to Furlong on the left, who crossed and Lakilo slid in to, to score. Um, so apparently sliding must be the new trick that he learned this week. And I presume that he just slid for the rest of the game because that's it. Um yeah, it was it was from all of eight yards that one. It stayed that way till half time. Uh, Tony Mowbray made five changes at the hour mark, and uh, it's safe to say that that pretty much won them the game as two of those scored. Um, Dansfield on sixty six minutes, and then 
the smallest footballer I have ever seen in real life, uh, Miyoshi, scored in the third minute of added time. The only kind of positive, really, I guess, if there is one, was that there was a, a full debut for Hull for Stan Ashby, son of Ian, who started for Hull. Um, although there are questions to the legit- legitimacy of uh, whether he actually is Ian Ashby's son or not, because he didn't get a yellow card. Um, I was terrified then and thought you were going to say something like he went. There was there was a chance for him to go in hard on a fifty-fifty and he bottled it or something like that. And I was like, whoa! Oh, I, I I looked when through the annals of time. If you look at a team sheet for Hull that has the name Ashby in it, if at the end of ninety minutes it doesn't have a little yellow rectangle next to it, something is very odd. I'm pretty sure that once his son decided to be a footballer, his dad probably just kept the direct debit to the FA going, um, just in case. Um, but still, it's, in all seriousness, it's good to see. Um, obviously, the, his dad captained the side through all four divisions of English football, so um, can only be a good a good thing for that family, and, and obviously it means a lot to Hull. So, um, yeah. So that, that was that was it. We lost two one. We don't have a trip to Leicester to worry about, which I don't really care. Um, quite honestly, it's it was, I set out on this one the exact same as when we went to the home version of this, in the sense of I just wanted a result. If we won or we lost, we just we just wanted a result. <laughs> didn't want extra time. Didn't want penalties. Um, could have done without a trip to Birmingham, to be honest, but. There we are. We don't have that to worry about this time. So, uh, no trip to the crisp bowl for the Tigers. Yes, indeed. And this um, this particular result has twofold effect, as obviously it takes Hull out of the FA Cup for the remainder of the season, but it also puts paid to one of Middlesbrough's upcoming fixtures, as for the FA Cup fourth round weekend, they were scheduled to play Birmingham City. So, they will no longer... They play in Birmingham City on the 27th of January as uh, Birmingham will be involved in FA Cup fourth round action. So that game will be getting rearranged for a date later in the season for their reunion with their old boss, Tony Mowbray. Predictions-wise, um, I'd gone for a 2-1 Hull City win. Sadly, I had I didn't have Stansfield, Miyoshi or Lakilo in my uh, predictions as goal scorers. Um, Andy had gone with a 1-0 win same out, uh, same outcome didn't have uh, any of the goal scorers Sue gone for a 1-1 draw didn't have either of the goal scorers Matt however had gone for a 2-1 Birmingham City win didn't pick any of the goal scorers so just the two points for the correct score there and our final game of the week which may or may not have just finished in the last 5 or 10, five or ten minutes as it turned out was the other replay of Blackpool versus Nottingham Forest. Now, this one was live on ITV. Therefore, we've all been able to uh, enjoy the fruit of this particular feast of football. Or was that absolutely not the case at all, Matt? <laughs> it was absolutely not the case at all. I I was sat there, and it's just one of the things that... I got to, it got to about... I looked it up at the clock, and it was 35 minutes into the first half, and I'm thinking... I feel like I've been sat here for an hour. It was just like one of them games where it's just like, Christ almighty, this is... And 
we ended up with everything that Stu said he didn't want from the whole game. We've ended up with that. Um, kind of, I'll go through it quickly. So, kind of midway through the first half, Forrest took the lead. Um, this set piece guru that was employed uh, is obviously earning his uh, his wares. Uh, a nice flick on by Ryan Yates and making his debut for Forrest, Omer, 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 no, I can't say his name. The Irish lad at the back. Um, definitely Omer Bamadeli. There you go. Not an Irish name, but an Irish lad at the back. Nice volleyed finish, um, to, I would say. Um, just after half time, Danilo uh, doubled the lead. Um, it was a decent well, it wasn't a decent finish because their defender kind of knocked it into the net from his kind of attempt. He he must have hit that with some venom because it just seemed to absolutely twat the defender and still yeah. go in. Like there was so think, much spin on it after it hit the defender, it just yeah. I think he pings a football would be uh, would be the kind of thing. Um and then and then Forrest just seemed to think job was done. So I think when in the first match they turned up thinking that the job was done and they didn't have to do anything and then had to work hard to get it back. This time it's been oh we've done the job, so we just kind of we'll just settle for it. Um so then Morgan scored a goal. It was a nice finish after the ball had ping-ponged around a bit. Um, the se- Their second goal, like, nobody mentioned it because it's like the FA Cup and it seems to be, the rules are the FA Cup is they're a low-league team. They can do whatever the fuck they like. That striker was all over the back of Murillo. Like, he had his hands on his shoulders. He was using him to, and he was already a lot taller than him. Used him for, shall we say, leverage, um, and to head it into the back of the net. Obviously, VAR was not in place because VAR isn't in League One. I would dare say if that goal had been scored at the City Ground with VAR in place, that would have been chalked off. Um, but nobody mentioned that because it's the FA Cup and it's the magic of the FA Cup, the magic that this six-foot man grew to nine foot miraculously. By putting his hands on somebody's shoulders, kind of thing, and then it's like, oh, he outmuscled him at the back post. Um, if piggybacking is uh, is uh, outmuscling, then yeah. So that kind you're of right. You, you, you can't even say he outjumped him because I reckon that by the time that he had his hands on his shoulders, when Murillo jumped, he just kind of took him with him. You know, like I mean, it was in Blackpool, so we can use the beach analogy. You know, when you like bury somebody in the sand, like from the waist down. That's what Murillo looked like had happened. So he buried him in the waist down in, in Blackpool. And then, like, I think it was that push for. So, yeah, two all. And to be fair, Blackpool deserved it. That that goal aside, Blackpool deserved it because they played really well in the second half, particularly after Forrest scored the second. Um, and then, it, so obviously, it goes to extra time. Um, I think... I think they, they rightly said on the coverage that the the full time came at the best time for Forest because by the time they played full time and got into like gone into the um into the extra uh, at the extra time, Forest dominated the game. Uh, I think from through extra time and at the end of it got a nice goal 
um, through Chris Wood, um, a, ni a nice finish, a nice cross um, by Ryan Yates, and a nice finish from uh, from Chris Wood. Um, and I think it's the, I don't know quite yet if it was, if if a lot of it's cramp or just like general twinges, but the the, the concern being like Stu said, you want it not to be extra time. You want to not pick up any injuries. You really could have done without it. It looks like Callum Hudson or Doyle's picked up a knock. Um, the Irish lad at the back's picked up a knock. Uh, Danilo was hobbling around at the end. Um, so you got three players out of the five. Well, we had five players substituted. I mean, hopefully that's the last time Nuno Tavares played, puts, puts on a forest shirt. Dear God, that was shocking. Um, but yeah, I think I think anybody else, every well, maybe Murillo got a knock as well. So it's like three, four key players have got a knock. Um, Can we just we just give a special mention to Murillo for absolutely hoofing the ball at the oh. <laughs> the, the Blackpool fans in the first half because that was hilarious. I don't know what he was so annoyed at, but wow, he pinged that ball. He was thought it's probably the first time he played in a ground where there was. A lot of spare seats. I was shocked at the amount of spare seats there were. I don't know whether they'd whacked up the prices or just people had gone, it's cold out, I can't be asked. But there was a lot of spare seats there tonight. It was the it was like that the, the stages of it happening, the fact that he was frustrated and the ball was already out of play and he absolutely smashed it into the stand. Then there was that look on his face of oh, that might have hit someone. And then he kind of stood there as if to say, like, oh, I'm really sorry. And he kept putting his hands up, putting his hands up. And then right at the end, there was this really angry Blackpool fan just, like, dancing around, like, wanting to fight him in the stand. <laughs> and he was still like, yeah, mate, I've said sorry. Settle down. But, yeah, 3-2. 3-2 really Forest win through to play Bristol City away in the next round. Bristol City, of course, coming through their own. Uh, third round replay taking care of Premier League West Ham United so they'll obviously be hoping to repeat that feat in the fourth round obviously Forrest will be hoping to not fall victim to a championship team predictions wise you'll be shocked to hear we all picked a Nottingham Forest win so we each get a point for our respective results Andy gone 2-0 with Hudson Adoy and Wood to score so I guess it's a bonus point for a goal scorer Matt had gone for 3-1, but sadly didn't pick any of the goal scorers. Stu had gone 2-1, but sadly didn't pick any of the goal scorers. I too had gone 3-1, but did manage to pick Danilo in my Forest goal scorer. So I also get a bonus point for a goal scorer, which means at the end of the week, with five games done, Stu finished the week on two points. Myself and Mr Cook finished the week on three points. But taking the win once again with six points from five games, it is Mr. Matthew Moore. Well done to you, sir. Before we move on to week 25's predictions of the four games, um, I believe there's been some, not transfer in, incomings, but there has been a, a, a transfer out of sorts at Hull City, I believe, Mr. Woodmansey. Yeah, and it's one that's frustrated me a little bit. Not because of who it is and like what could it be, just the way it's been done. Um, so 
we we got Scott Twine on loan from Burnley the start of the season on a season long loan. Uh, obviously aware that things can change, and um, the club was made aware that uh, Burnley were wanting to recall him from said loan. So away he goes back to Burnley. Only for him then to be immediately loaned back out to Bristol for the rest of the season uh, on loan with no option to buy. What the fuck is that all about? Like, Bristol have, Bristol have long made their intentions clear before Hull signed him that they, that they wanted him. Burnley apparently wanted £5 million for him. Five million what would have been my question after watching him for the first half of the season because, uh, yeah, not not pounds. Um, it, it's just a really weird one. Like it, it's, and I think it stings a little bit more because Hull have now hit this patch where injuries are happening, and all of a sudden we seem to be a little bit short in quite a lot of areas, and especially with uh, Seri and Traore away at. Uh, the African Cup of Nations as well. That's really, really not helped. Um, I just obviously like it. It doesn't doesn't affect your guys' teams really in that regard. Uh, other than uh, Matt will be pleased to know that he can't and won't play for Bristol City in that FA Cup game because he's already played for us in the FA Cup. Um, but it's just I feel like it's a real. It's been done in like a really sort of like shit house sort of a way, and I'm not. I don't think. I don't think Hull kind of would have bought him based on what we've seen. And it it took him an awful long time to get going. Um, in fact, I can pinpoint the exact time that he got going because it was the free kick that he scored when I was sat in the south stand and uh, my friend Gaz had come to the game with me and the boys. And he was sat just in front of us. And I said to him, I hope you've brought your catching gloves because this is going nowhere near. And... Twine bin it in the top corner. So <laughs> that's the exact point that he started to kind of have any kind of confidence on and, and started to kind of look anything like to me. Um, but it's not the quality that we're going to miss. It's almost just like the bums on seats kind of thing for us at the moment. Yeah. The only thing I can presume is that it might be a family sort of thing because he's from Swindon. So I don't know if it's been a case of he's maybe gone in and said, listen, I'm not feeling particularly sort of settled where I am. Is there a chance we can maybe look to get me a loan to a, a, a club that's more based down south? See, now the other the other side of that is, um, uh, yeah, you're right. I don't think he has been settled at Hull. I, I, think he, I think he's been played out of his preferred position because when fit, we've had players that have, have sort of been in that role instead. The guy that's the manager now at Bristol um, was the manager at MK Dons when Scott Twine had his highest return. So ah. there's a manager, there's a manager link up there as well. But Liam again, I, I understand the reasons for that. It's just it's the way that it's been done that's just irked me a little bit. Yeah, their, their setup's weird though as well. Bristol City, they're basically, I don't know, I, I, like. They mentioned it on the match last night, but this Brian Tinian has like taken over as this sporting director, and they've kind of come up with the Bristol City way. And basically, you're told the manager is employed. You're told that you have to play in a certain way, 
And if you don't play that way, you're getting sacked. So, like, that's, you know, I don't know, like, Pearson's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think he was doing a decent job there. And he basically got sacked because he wouldn't play the way that this guy who's been, like, playing for 30 years, it, that, like, it was like a youth coach kind of thing, been a youth coach for 30 years, and it just seems to be this kind of, like, Right, we're going to play this way. Everyone's going to play this way. You must play this way. And if you don't play this way, you'll go out the door kind of thing. But I wonder whether we've got some kind of in with with Bristol City, uh, with Burnley himself. Well, there's, there's, there's rumours there's rumors that we might be getting Benson on loan, which might be like a bit of a replacement um, as, as, a, as a bit of a deal sweetener. But that's still yet to materialise. And obviously, it's just rumours at this stage. So... I guess watch this space. Yeah. Like Mr. Wilmington says, we'll watch this space. Sadly, no incomings at the borough, and I'm pretty sure it's the same at Nottingham Forest. No incomings, no outgoings. So that will oh, leave sorry, the. Yeah, no. Sorry, I was just going to say that will that will leave the transfer section of the podcast very short and sweet. Um, so week twenty five. On the horizon, four games to predict, some league games, and then a certain semi-final of a League Cup to discuss. We're going to step out for a couple of minutes just to um, really think about those predictions and really commit them to memory. We'll be right back to give you our predictions for the Week 25 games. You don't need to go anywhere, because we'll be right back. And just like that, we're back at it. So, week 25's predictions. Um, and we start with another Friday evening fixture. And it's another one that's live on Sky Television, where from the stadium of uh, Sunderland take on Hull City. Obviously, it's Mr. Woodmancy's team. He will go last with his prediction. You're not going to this one, are you? No, but I am going to watch it on telly, so... Very nice, very nice. Um, I'll get us started with this one, as I don't have anything to predict. As I've gone for a nil-nil draw. This this strikes me as one of those reset games. Hull have lost a couple on the spin now. Get back to basics, just don't concede. See how they get on. Maybe see if they can nick one on the counter. Um, Matt, what have you got? Paul, 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 Paul. Don't concede. Have you seen our results recently? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Just, just this, this is this is this just goes back to when Neil Warnock was the manager of the Borough, and then come off the back of a couple of defeats, and it would always just be going back down to the basics. Just don't, just don't concede. Don't worry about scoring. Just don't concede. There's 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 more chance of it being three all than there is of it being nil nil. I think. Um, Matt, what have you got down for Sunderland Hull? I've gone for a one-all draw. I've gone for a draw as well. Bellingham for Sunderland and Carvalho or Carvalho for Hull. Mr Cook? I've got a nil-one. Sharp to score. Sharpie? So, 
we've already slightly heard what he had to say a little bit earlier. So I'm assuming he thinks there's going to be goals, just in case of how many and in which net. No, I, th- I don't think there'll be goals. I think it'll be a repeat of Boxing Day and Sunderland will win 1-0. Ugh. I've also got now, is it going to be? Oh, I was going to say, is it going to be an exact replica? And is uh, Clark yeah. going to score? But no, you're going for Bellingham. No, um, I have to. I have to say, I feel I do feel slightly bad because generally the performances have been pretty. Even though they've lost, they've been pretty good. They've not played badly. That they've done that. They've they've going through a stage of the league games, particularly having more of the ball, having more of the shots, but just the key moments just not like having that quality whereas the other teams then punish them for it so I don't think that it's on on paper it looks like they're in bad form they're not playing that badly but I just with the injuries and stuff that we talked about before um, and and like people out the door might be I don't know where that changes at the moment they definitely need to, to stop the rot as it were but Sunderland probably our team to do that against. We'll wait and see. We move on to the Saturday slate of games. The first one of those is my team Middlesbrough at home to Rotherham United. Obviously, it's my boys, therefore I will give my prediction last. Um, let's go straight back to where we ended the last game with Stu. What have you got down for Borough Rotherham? Uh, a little bit more positive. Um, being as Rotherham are one of the worst teams I've seen all season. So I've gone for Middlesbrough 2, Rotherham 0, with Crooks and Rodgers to score for the Borough. Andrew? Uh, Similar to Stu, although I imagine I've probably predicted a person who is injured or playing for a different team at this point in time. Um, same score, 2 0 to the borough. Uh, but Rogers and Silvera. Silvera's still away. Silvera will be away until like mid of, middle of February. In fact, just put down what stupid. <laughs> just, just, just do that. Rogers and Cooks. Matthew? I've gone 1 0 Middlesbrough. With Greenwood scoring. It's a full boat, ladies and gentlemen. I, too, have gone for a Borough win. Um, we've not had the best of luck with, uh, with Rotherham in the last couple of years, so I don't think we've beaten them for at least three games, if you don't include the pre-season friendly we played against them in this uh, off-season, which no-one should, because it's a pre-season friendly. Um, I've gone for a 3-0 thumping win. And for goals from Rogers, Fawes, and Greenwood, um, I feel like the the uh, they, they can need a a decent result to sort of ride the momentum into the next game they're going to play, which we'll come to at the end. Um, and uh, yeah, beating a, an off par Rotherham side would would set that up very very nicely. Would it not I be also the, the most borough thing in the world to lose to Rotherham and then beat Chelsea? <laughs> I mean, there's definitely elements of me that would take that right now if you want. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, our next game, and second to last game, if you will, sees our other Saturday fixture, and it is again 
a television fixture. This one will be on Sky TV in the 5.30 slot, where Brentford take on Nottingham Forest. Obviously, Mr Moore's team, so he'll give his prediction last. I'll jump in here, as I've got it written in my book. I've gone for a 2-1 Nottingham Forest win. Brentford not in the best of form, but they do welcome back after a lengthy ban at Mr Ivan Tony. I believe he will start the game. And I think he will score in the game. I've gone for him to score for Brentford. But I've gone for a goal apiece from Wood and Danilo. Very similar to their last game against Blackpool. Both of them scored in that game. Stu, what have you got down for Brentford Forest? Um, as we've already talked about tonight, if your team's doing badly and you've got a striker that's not scored for a long period of time, come and play against us. Well, obviously, the Brentford have not been great of late. And uh, Tony for uh, multiple reasons on his betting slip, hasn't been able to play for a very long time. So uh, we'll go for, uh, unfortunately, Matt, a 1-0 Brentford win with Tony to score. Andrew? Uh, I've got Forrest down to win 1-0 with Wood to score. Very nice. Um, Mr Moore, how do you see it panning out for the boys? I've got like pretty much like what Stu said. If you're in poor form and generally you're all right, and if there's somebody who hasn't played for a while or hasn't scored for a while and needs to get their kind of shooting boots on, generally come and see Forest after the performance tonight. I, I mean, I've done this prediction before I watched the game tonight, but I, this one, I've gone for a 3 2 Brentford win. 3 2 to Brentford, 2 from Ivan Tony just to make sure they can get an extra couple of mil when they sell him in January. Uh, and Jensen to get the third one. And then Wood and Dominguez to score for Forrest. Very nice, although obviously not if you're not the Forest fan. Our final game of the week, and dare I say, the biggest game in the last... I'd say at least 10 years for Middlesbrough, or certainly from a Middlesbrough perspective, sees technically Andy's team, Chelsea, taking on my team, Middlesbrough, in the semi-final second leg of the Carabao Cup. Obviously, Middlesbrough lead the tie on aggregate 1-0 from the first leg. So know that anything other than a Chelsea win will see them through to the final. A Chelsea 1-0 win will force either extra time and penalties or just straight to a penalty shootout. I'm not yet sure what the rules are for that. I need to look into that. And then obviously anything more than a one-goal Chelsea win sees them into the final. Um, as it's Andy's versus my team, myself and Andy will go last. Stu, what have you got for Chelsea versus Borough? Close your ears, Paul. 2-0 Chelsea. Goal scorers? Because, because of how god-awful they were in the first leg, I've gone for Sterling and Palmer. I'm trying to reverse psychology the shit out of it this week. <laughs> Matt? I've gone down a similar tack as well. I've gone 3-1 Chelsea. 
goal scorers? Uh, Sterling, Palmer and Gallagher. For Chelsea. And fours for Borough. Now, as it's technically your boys at home, Mr. Cook, and my boys away from home, I'll come to you for your prediction first for your boys. What do you reckon for Chelsea Borough? Um, as I didn't quite get the opportunity to collect my Middlesbrough scar from the dry cleaners after my last run as a Middlesbrough fan, um, I have got Middlesbrough to win 1 0 with fours. So I can get oh, back wow. on the uh, on the path of the righteous. Be <laughs> double, double dipping in the tees. <coughs> um, I've got an, I've got pretty much an exactly the same scoreline as one of you. Sadly, from my perspective, it is not Mister Cook. I too have gone for a three-one Chelsea win. And eerily enough, I have also gone for Palmer, Sterling and Fours as three of my four goal scorers. But I've got Nicholas Jackson to get the third for Chelsea. I don't really know I don't really know how I see this one playing out in my head. The uh, the romanticist in me sees Borough going one nil up early and then Chelsea just ruining it by scoring two to bring it back level and then scoring the winner with like two minutes left or something like that. But Part of me thinks that we could be on a bit of a hide into nothing, really. Um, I imagine that Carrick will send him out with the idea of... Oh, go on. You might want to pick a different player, because Jackson's away at the uh, Cup of Nations. I didn't even think about that. See, it happens to the best of us. I did wonder why he wasn't playing. (laughs) I just remember someone mentioning him. I think it was on Sky Sports yesterday. I think someone mentioning Jackson on on that, and I was like, "Oh!" So I thought, I just that's why I got my phone out just to check. Missed your chance there, Mister Moore. You could have said, "I'm sorry, missing Jackson." Oh god! Terrible, terrible. Um, who else? Had, who else had a bit of a stinker in the first game? Uh, I mean, Enzo he... Fernandez. <laughs> I mean, you could have picked one from 11 names at that point. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <coughs> yeah, I imagine that Carrick will send him out on this one with the idea of nothing stupid in the first half. Get through the first 10 minutes, see how, see how you are. See if you can get the crowd a bit on their back and stuff like that. Try and see if you can keep them out as long as possible. But obviously... The more you, the more you sort of play just to contain, the um, the, the the sort of the more negative the uh, the play gets, and yeah. obviously there's only so much there's only so much defending you can do in ninety minutes without sort of yeah. cracking at least once. So we'll see if they can get to if they can get to half time level, then I'll start to feel a little bit better, but. It only takes a second to score a goal, and like I say, we've never had a positive history at Stamford Bridge in my lifetime, as far as I'm aware. So I'm not holding out much hope, but 
the romantic the romantic nature in me obviously indicates that you know as long as they can avoid defeat they'll be at Wembley but I don't hold out much hope that they will so we'll just have to see if they can avoid if they can if they can take it to Penners then it's in the lap of the gods and ears of that so we'll see what happens either either way it's been a, it's been a fantastic it's been a fantastic journey so you're not we'll you're not going to get a better chance regardless even. Even if you end up getting smashed, like they've, you know, they've got more chance than like we've got. So in that regard, I, I think you, right. you could argue as well that they, they sort of, they've had their sort of moment with the fact that they won the first leg at home, and they gave the, they gave the home fans that sort of memory to sort of take with them that they, be, they were able to, to best a, a, a Premier League club. At home in, the, in a semi-final of a cup competition, so. those results as well can galvanise your home form, particularly for like the rest of the season. So mm. even if they don't do amazingly well come the second leg, then you you you're gonna have the fans in attendance at the Riverside that have been at that game that will give you that sort of extra ten percent. Absolutely. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That is your week 25 predictions done and dusted. Thank you, as always, to these three wonderful gentlemen for taking me through the ups and downs of their respective clubs and obviously mine. Join us again next week where I'll either be jumping off the sofa um, at the thought of a, uh, a potential trip to Wembley Way for the Borough Boys um, or I'll be incredibly sad and just thinking of what might have been um, until then, we won't know. Thank you for joining us once again and for uh, tuning in, as always. We'll be back in about a week's time to break it all down and all over again. Until then, though, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, and we'll see you in about a week's time. Tati bye for now. There we go, what do you think to that? Another one gone, another load of games gone, another load of games to look forward to. Big thank you for watching, big thank you for listening, big thank you for being here. Before you go, please do consider like, share, subscribe and comment. Leave a review where you can leave a review. Check out the website, thecookiecast.com. There we've got social media links and an email button and that way you can get in touch with us. That's it for this one. Till next time I'm going to say bye and I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to these grumpy old men talk about football. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe.